0: Good evening. Uh, my name is Joe Gibbs. Uh, I I, uh, I have missed you so much. It's been about six weeks or seven weeks since I've been at the uh, five o'clock service. And, and I um, I don't think since I've been here in two and a half years that I've missed, uh, that I've been gone that long. And so it's just, just the way the scheduling worked out. But I'm so glad to be back here tonight and uh, lifting my hands up in worship. I don't get to do that in the mornings very much. So. Um, uh, so it's, it's, it's good to be back. Uh, this season, it, you know, it, it, we, um, we love this season. And, and I mean that in a religious sense, but, but even more so, perhaps, in a, in a sort of secular sense, right? The, uh, it's just such a season of anticipation. I've got um, three kids, eight, almost eight, and, um, and five and two and, and the reason I say almost is because i got a birthday thrown in there, so there's even more uh, more anticipation. But just, you know, it's sort of an institution, you know, and it's sort of iconic, the, the anticipation of, of children uh, waiting for gifts that they're going to open up on Christmas morning. You know, I just remember the conversations, you know, oh, hey, what are you going to get? What are you going to get? Nobody knows what they're going to get. I mean, they're, oh, that's how they say, I'm going to get an iPad, or I'm going to get... Hey, we GI Joe. That was as high tech as we got. Um, but the, uh, uh, I'm, we, we talk about what I'm gonna get, and um, and and the other thing that's sort of an institution is that uh, the new things you know are quickly old and forgotten and left on the floor and people run off, and and um, I, or sometimes the uh, the other sort of institution is disappointment when we're talking about. Uh, the um, just the anticipation. We build things up so much in our mind. I can remember uh, my sixteenth Christmas and staring out at the at the driveway, uh, out, out from my um, just trying to squeeze and see if I could just. Surely, I, I'm, the reason I don't see a car in the driveway is because I'm trying to. I can't get or I can't see far enough ahead. You know, if I just were to go downstairs and uh, I would see this oh this awesome new car and then. Um, it didn't come. That, that it did not. And Santa did not fit that in his sleigh that year. Um, it, it is uh, all of this anticipation, all of this. It, we we built this, this sort of mega, uh, multi billion dollar industry of gifts and, and giving and, and taking a lot of the religious thing out of it. But it's all it's all just a shadow. Uh, uh, it, it's all just a shadow of the very thing that it was based on, uh, and that is the anticipation uh, of the great gift. Uh, from, uh, from God to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Not just Him, Himself, wrapped in swaddling clothes, uh, but, but actually salvation uh, that we uh, could not achieve for ourselves. Um, I want to turn your attention to uh, our passage from Malachi, but I'm actually going to talk just a little bit about what comes before what we have in our Scripture uh, tonight, the passage that we have. In fact, the way that Malachi starts his Malachi, if you remember, is the very last prophet, or the very last uh, Old Testament prophet, and he st- This is how he starts his prophecy: um, "I love, I have loved you," says the Lord. But you say, "How have you loved us?" I have loved you, but you say, "How about? How have you loved us?" And I just, I was, as I was reading through it, um, I, I try to, you know, when I'm preparing a sermon, I try to read what comes before and what comes after. A short little book like Malachi. You can pretty much read the whole thing in, in just a few minutes. But I was just so captured by that very first phrase. Um, it's verse 2 in, in Malachi. Uh, because it is such a, a picture of our natural relationship uh, to God. Uh, the way that we... Uh, in our sinfulness, the, our human condition, the way that we treat God, God says, "I've loved you," and our response to Him is, "Well, how have You loved us?" Now, some uh, are truly embittered uh, towards God. Some, um, and you know, you know these folks. Some of them, um, you know, there may be a, a family member or, or someone that you've come across, but they really are. It, it's uh, they don't have an answer something has happened they were bullied at church or, or somebody died tragically or they themselves if not things have not gone uh, the right way and they really are embittered towards the lord how how have you how has the lord loved us and, and and that is a very important thing to um to to address uh, folks that don't have an answer for how could god be both good and all powerful given what I have seen in my, in my life. And that's an incredibly important thing. I don't think those are the ones actually that Malachi is, is addressing. Uh, uh, there are others who would claim, and if you ask them, does God love you? Oh yeah, God loves us. And yet, it has uh, it has really no bearing on, there's no evidence in their lives that they believe that God loves them. And I want to tell you if, the, if I fall into any category, that's the one I, I, I would fall into, um, and that's who I believe that Malachi is addressing tonight. Uh, those who uh, and, and the evidence the evidence of that, that that we we don't we might profess that we that God loves us, we might say that, uh, and yet the way that there's no evidence that because we because we worry, we worry, or we have such anxiety. Because uh, um, we can't, we don't know what's what's coming. We can't control what's what's going to happen. I don't mean sort of a chemical anxiety, but just the a sort of spiritual anxiety, that, that worry. Um, we don't trust uh, God's goodness, um, and we see that because we only trust ourselves. We we might say we trust God's goodness, but we're acting like crazy people, and um, or uh, you know, or we're incredibly judgmental. Uh, we're not loving. Uh, or we're not forgiving towards people who have wronged us, um, and but that is because we don't understand that God has loved us. God, if God, if we understood that God loved us, that that was really a transforming love, the way that we say it's a transforming love, then we wouldn't uh, be unforgiving. Uh, that we wouldn't be uh, judgmental, and so um, Malachi's prophecy is actually as you as you go through work through his prophecy is actually rebuking. The good church-going religious folk. those are the ones that he's talking about. He's talking to the the fact that they're in in truth, their faith is entirely pragmatic, and they just want it to work. And they they're they're going to church, they're going to the synagogue, they're making their offerings, I and mean, the priests are in place, they're doing all these things, and yet their hearts are far far from God, and they worship idols and. You know that that we we were, We don't need a, another. We don't need to look uh, more than you know the next television commercial to know uh, that that we worship idols. We worship idols. I was watching um, football today, and uh, it was it was just uh, you know it's professional. It's hardly hardly a real sport actually. Um, but but I, I don't. You probably have met somebody not yourself obviously that that holds. Uh, College football up as an idol, but that—that's completely. That's another. That's that's another sermon. Um, um, but you know, uh, something. So we profess that God's love, uh, that God loves us, and yet when something goes wrong, how have you loved us? How, how how have you loved us? I mean, it is a natural tendency of the human heart, because because we are uh, distant. Uh, From the Lord. In fact, that that was the original lie in the garden that the serpent spoke to to Eve. God doesn't love you. You shouldn't trust what God said. He just doesn't want you to have good things. And we we are heirs of that lie. And it is the natural tendency. We might profess it outwardly. And we might say, oh yeah, I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. And then um, a recession hits or cancer, or a relationship blows up. How have You loved us? You see, the natural tendency of, uh, of the fallen human heart is to, is, is to distrust God and to disbelieve uh, His goodness. And then we come to our passage. And so as uh, this this Malachi has gone through this devastating diagnosis, of, of the people of Israel. And yet, He says, there's a new day coming. There's a new day coming. And God says this through Malachi, that God is going to solve the problem of this distant human heart that, that we have no will and no ability to correct ourselves. See, education isn't the key. You don't it's not that if you just if I just tell you to be good, then you'll be good. If I just tell you to love your neighbor, then you'll finally love your neighbor. The education is not the key. Trying harder is not going to do it. That God says, I'm going to send my messenger and he is going to refine them because you know what? They can't refine themselves. We can't refine ourselves before the Lord. Now, we can do amazing things and we can be you can be a good person by our standards. And yet, our heart will always choose ourselves. We'll always uh, choose separate uh, from God, given ourselves on our own. And, and what he says about what Malachi says that God is saying about His messenger is He's going to come, and He is going to refine us at like gold and silver. Do you know? Do you know about that process of refinement. Where he's put into the fire. That's the, actually the difficult things. How have you loved this is what we naturally say. But that's actually the place that God is removing the impurities from our heart. That is the place where we can say uh, that we become the gold that God has, has made us. As we read through Malachi, there's actually two messengers. There's actually two messengers. And what we see as we go into the, we turn the page after Malachi and get into the New Testament and into the Gospels, there's two messengers. The first, of course, is John the Baptist. And he comes preaching repentance and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what he says is that all the valleys will be filled up and all the mountains and hills will be brought low. See, the Gospel levels the playing field. It is for the poor, it is for the rich. The poor will be brought up. The rich will be brought low. The poor, the the, the down and destitute no longer have to wallow in the valley of despair and the rich can no longer stay on their high horse. Because the Gospel, the Gospel, that may be the first amen I've ever gotten to the Advent. The Gospel, um, it levels the playing field. Because we all, low or high, choose ourselves. We all, as Frank Limehouse says, suffer from O.S. positive. We are, we are all uh, heirs of the, of the lie. Original sin. And we, uh, we all stand in need of a Savior. And then, then so John the Baptist prepares the way. we have Jesus Christ, who is Himself the One who does the refining. How would He refine us? Not actually by throwing us into the fire. That's sort of a secondary thing but actually by taking the fire upon Himself. That He would walk through the fire of God's judgment by uh, suffering uh, through the cross so that you and I might be reconciled to God. And so that our offerings, as, uh, as Malachi says, our offerings might be pleasing unto the Lord once again. See, they were still giving their offerings, but they weren't pleasing to the Lord because their hearts weren't in it. In fact, their hearts weren't able to be in it. It's not because they were bad people. It's because they were sinners. Their hearts naturally chose themselves. But what what Malachi is saying and what God has given us in Jesus Christ that we see is He's actually placed upon us the totally refined, pure gold of Jesus Christ. And so that now, as children of God, we are uh, able to live the lives that please Him because He has declared us to be His gold and His silver. Why has he done all of that, Malachi one? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. And see, the more that we, we lean into that, the more that we uh, the more that we begin to understand actually how much we've for, been for how sinful we are, and how much we've been forgiven, and how much we are loved out of the abundance of his grace and mercy we actually begin to see that this season of hope is not one that leaves us disappointed. It actually is newer. The new isn't quickly old, but actually it's newer and newer and newer. And His mercies are new every morning. And uh, the thing that we have been given will never disappoint us. We can leave our gifts uh, in the on the shelf in the closet or under the wrapping paper, but... The thing that we are given this Christmas uh, is a child uh, who is the embodiment of Christ's love for us, that we might be declared uh, gold and silver. Let's pray. Uh, We thank You, God, that You, in Jesus Christ, have removed our impurities. And we can look at our lives, and Lord, we know our impurities. And we thank You that they are not the truth about us. We need to deal with them, uh, with You, but we, they are not the truth about us before You, that You have given us the righteousness of Your Son, Jesus. We pray, God, that You would give us the grace to lean into that truth. And that the hope of this season would be the hope that defines our life, that You have given us Your Son because You loved us, that we might respond to that, not how have You loved us, but thank You, Lord, I love You too. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.